Sun Life Community Church came into being as the result of a compelling vision for a different kind of church, interested in what we call the Sun Life, experiencing and sharing the life of God's Son. Perhaps your heart is burdened these days. We invite you to allow the Word of God through the words of this message to bring rest to your soul and joy to your heart. Our Heavenly Father, allow us to feel and to sense by the ability of your Holy Spirit given to us to to feel like we're right at your feet. Worship has lifted us to the throne of God. Our prayers have only had to travel a very short distance to your ear this morning, for we've been right there. Lifted into your presence by prayer and praise. And Father, now we would quiet ourselves and and sit before you. And we think of those who sat around Jesus one day. And and he looked at them as they were drinking in everything he said. And and he said, "Who, who is my mother, my brother, my sisters? Here. Here are my mother and brothers and sisters. Those who... Hear my words. Take them to heart. They are mine. Father, may we sense we are yours. We would take to heart the words of God today and carry them all this week long. We ask that that might be done by the power of your Spirit now. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. On to perfection. How many of you are heading in that direction? (laughs) Good, good. I didn't ask if you're there. I just asked if you're heading in that direction. On to perfection. That's the, the title of this series of messages. We've started just a couple of weeks ago. But it's, they're taken from the book of James, the book that James, the brother of the Lord Jesus, penned to the believers in his day. Perfection is that Greek word teleos, and we define it this way. It doesn't mean to be sinlessly perfect. It doesn't mean to be flawless in any way, because even the Apostle Paul said, there are times I do the things I don't want to do, and the times I, I don't do the things I do want to do. We are flawed human beings. The flesh is still with us until we're removed from this world. So it's not sinless perfection, flawlessness in any sense, It's a very special term that our English Bible occasionally translates perfect. The Greek word teleos, we're defining it this way, handling the issues of life in a mature and God-honoring way. Perfection. Becoming the finished product that God would have us be as his Holy Spirit works in our lives that we might become people who are found to be handling the issues of life, all of them, in a mature and God-honoring way. Now, so far, we've just been a couple of weeks in, but James' whole book is filled with these kinds of uh, directives that would tell us how to handle how to handle the circumstances of life, the various circumstances of life, in a mature and a God-honoring way. 
So far, we've only identified two. We're still in chapter one, just almost at the beginning of it. But a couple of weeks ago, James pointed out that, uh, that we need to handle the hardships of life in a way that just blesses and honors God. Last week we saw we need to handle doubt in the way that just honors and blesses God. That's something we need to wrap our minds around, the things he's telling us. A couple of weeks ago, I reminded you of this uh, proverb. It says in Proverbs, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. This morning, I'd want to share with you that there is nothing more important that we might think about in our heart than what we think about ourselves. Handling self. How we look at self, our perspective on ourself, is an incredibly valuable and vital concern. Here's today's key scripture. And just like the writers of the Proverbs, James gives us a a pithy little statement, a short statement. James chapter 1, verses 9 to 10. James says this, The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position. But the one who is rich should take pride in his low position. Two verses. Not a whole lot of explanation there. But just two short statements regarding how, really, we should handle self, our view of ourselves. I would say two essential perspectives arise from today's passage. Now, though, of course, though, of course, the game of baseball had not been invented when James wrote these words, we could certainly say that James has covered all the bases in just those two short verses. In fact, let me continue, he has loaded the bases for us. And now it's up to us, as we read what he said and try to apply it to our lives, it's up to us, as it were, to drive in a few runs by faithfully applying his coaching to our lives. Can I do one more? We certainly wouldn't want to strike out when the moment arrives. So then, consider with me the two perspectives on self that can be found in our coach's instructions. Here's the way I would express the first of the two. Perspective one. Two perspectives on self we're talking about today. Perspective one. Whenever I feel like I am actually nothing. Now that's probably a a foreign feeling to all of us. But just try to imagine, what is it like? Have you ever felt like you're actually nothing? Like you don't amount to very much in this world? Yeah. Whenever I feel like I'm actually nothing, I need to remind myself that I really am something in Christ. That's coming out of James' first statement where he says, the brother in humble circumstances 
ought to take pride in his high position. Whenever I feel like I am actually nothing. Now, I would imagine that that could be the way that many of James' initial readers felt. They had made commitments to Christ, these folks that James was writing to. They had made commitments to Christ. They had been filled with the Spirit. Many of them had participated in the day of Pentecost itself. And they were members of that initial Jerusalem church. They had enjoyed firsthand the ministry of the apostles themselves. But now, as you recall, they were refugees in the world. They had had to flee Jerusalem, leave their homes behind, probably leave most of their belongings behind. They had to flee Jerusalem in fear of the vicious Jewish adversaries who were seeking to persecute and even kill them. They ran for their lives and ran as far as they could go, settled down wherever they could go, no longer have the wonderful Christian fellowship around them of several thousand on a, on a, there in Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit doing miracles right in front of them and the apostles being right there talking about their experiences with Jesus himself. And here they are scattered, having run for their lives. I would believe they could be tempted, any one of them, to feel that God had deserted them. And they could easily give in to the doubt that we talked about just last week. They could easily become fixated on the low, that is the humble and perhaps humbling circumstances that they were in. I'm sure their lives were much better in Jerusalem than they are were right where they are now. They could look at their circumstances and maybe conclude that somehow they had failed. There was actually a good possibility that a good number of them might well feel like failures, like their life wasn't amounting to very much. And in response to that possibility, James tells them, take pride in your high position. Take pride in your high position. In other words, adopt the perspective that says, whenever I feel like I am actually nothing, I need to remind myself that I really am something in Christ. That's what Coach James says. Well, here's what Coach Mark adds to it this morning. Check out Ephesians chapter 1, Verses 3 to 14. If you have your Bible with you, just open them to there. I just want to read that passage for you. We're not going to put it on the screen. It's a long passage. But I want you to listen as I read Paul describing the position, the reality, what is true of every single born-again child of God. And just note as I read through, because we'll be making reference to it, every time it talks about Christ, that we are in him, with him, by him, because of him, Jesus is the reason for it all, my high position in him. Here we go, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Paul says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. 
For he, the Father, chose us in him, Christ, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. That's Christ. In him, Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him, Christ, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed you were marked in him with a seal, guaranteeing, or a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Paul just, that just rolled out of him, I think, probably faster than, than he could even write. These are the marvelous things that make up our rich position. Tremendous affirmations concerning the high position we hold as Christians. Affirmations that can lift us up each and every day. Now, I'm sure you picked some of those out as I read. You see, regardless of outward earthly circumstances, and especially when those circumstances are rather bleak, you can say, I have been blessed. That's the first thing you can say. I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in him, in Jesus. That was verse 3. I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Even if you don't have many material blessings on earth, Paul says you possess every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. All of them await you. All of them are there already. Every spiritual blessing in Christ, in the heavenly realms, and by his grace, he will take us all there someday. Secondly, you can say, I have been chosen in him. Verse 4, God the Father himself has chosen you to be holy and blameless in his sight. That's how the Father sees all his born-again children right now. He looks at each one of us that way. Holy and blameless, holy and blameless, holy and blameless. I'll bet you don't look at yourself that way. But because of Christ, the Father looks at each one of us, sees us in Christ, Christ the one who died for us, who paid for all the 
blame that we deserve in our life, he took it upon himself and the Father says, now, I see you. I chose you in him and I see you as holy and blameless children of mine. You're the best folks in the entire world. Thirdly, you can say, I have been, I have been freely given grace in him. Verse 6. Grace is spiritual ability to do spiritual things. And God has freely given you all the grace you will ever need. Just believe it. And do not doubt. You are rich. We together are rich in grace. In the ability, spiritual ability to do spiritual things when we're called upon to do them. To live a godly life. However that needs to be expressed. We can say, I have been redeemed in him, verse 7. And of course, that's the most fundamental thing. God has brought you back from sin, has bought you back from sin and judgment. Christ's own blood has been poured out for you. You've been purchased at that extreme price, and thus you are most precious to God. Paul goes on and says, you can say, I have been included and sealed in him. Verse 13. Remember Jesus once said, no one. No one can pluck them out of my hand. Once Jesus Christ takes a hold of your life, once you have yielded yourself to him, confessed him as the son of God, the savior of the world, and asked him to be your savior, and you've yielded yourself to him, he takes you in his hand. And he says, no one, nothing can ever get you away from me from this moment on. No one can pluck them out of my hand. We are linked to him for all eternity. Never, never lose the affirmation power contained in this scripture-inspired perspective. It just says, again, Whenever I feel like I am actually nothing, I need to remind myself that I really am something in Christ. However, thankfully, things are not and generally will not continue to be dismal forever. We're not always in that low position. We're not always in a state where life has kind of beat us down or someone has taken away the the things of life that have been enjoyable and and we've just run for our lives and all we have is the clothes on our back. Most of the people James was writing to were like that, but they didn't remain that way forever. Troubled times never last forever, even just in the physical sense in this world. I'm sure even some of James' original, initial readers, when they fled from Jerusalem, some of them probably got in somewhat better circumstances than others. Maybe they already had family out there somewhere, and and that's where they could go, and their families were pretty well off, and and they they were able to just hunker down and, and be safe. Maybe from the moment they left Jerusalem, They wound up in a pretty good spot. 
Certainly, there have been no doubt times in all of our lives when we have felt a lot more on top of things than at other times. Times when we, to use our baseball analogy, have uh, gone up to the plate and we have emptied the bases with a grand slam. It's just been one of those moments, one of those moments where we functioned exactly the way God would have us function where there was blessings that flowed from what we did, when there were, uh, was a feeling of uh, just trust in God that sustained us and brought us through. And, and it's like, spiritually speaking, we struck a home run. We've been honored, perhaps. Recognized, admired as a Christian who somehow has gotten it all together. And you know there are people around you who feel that way about you. They might even say, I'd like to be a Christian man, I'd like to be a Christian woman, I'd like to be a mom or a dad or a grandparent like them. And you're one of those Christians who, who are pulling it off and are serving God and doing well. And others are recognizing that and that's always good to, to feel that that's happening. And whether we actually were aware of it or not, whether other people really came and told us those things when they admire us, those are times when even the devil himself would pat us on the back and say, well done. You are truly one who should be admired by all. And boy, those words sound good. We would never say, would we, that's the devil talking. No, it's like, you know, that must be the Holy Spirit just telling me that. I, I'm really pulling this off well. I've really gotten to the place where others are admiring me and are recognizing me and I'm, I'm doing well and, and I, I feel like a good, strong, powerful Christian. The devil would suggest that, that we could even pat ourselves on the back. Now, when moments like that come, and I guarantee that every believer in this room has had at least one, maybe you have a bunch of them, where, where you know you're, you're pretty satisfied with how you're doing and other people respond to you and, and look up to you and, and it feels good, of course it does, and, and you're tempted to get your hand back there and just give yourself a good pat on the back and you say to yourself, well done. Well, when those moments come along, James has a word for you and for me. You know, he has a word. And here's the word in perspective two. James says, the one who is rich, that is pulling it off, pulling it off, getting the accolades of people, and maybe even just knowing they're doing well. There's nothing wrong with knowing you're doing well, that you actually were obedient to God, you've actually been walking this straight and narrow path. There are times when the Holy Spirit, of course, says, this is it, you're, you're obedient, and he, he encourages our hearts. When those times come, though, we need to have a perspective that helps us handle a time like that. Because if we don't handle it rightly, we can just get all full of ourselves. 
we can get very proud. We can say to them, well, let me show you how I did it. Thank you for those kind words. Every one of them is true. <laughs> See, if we don't handle that situation well, we can get all caught up in a, in a kind of a pridefulness and get all puffed up in our own mind and actually start telling people more our own thoughts than God's thoughts. And even our ministry to them might become much less effective than it was before because we're, we're just not handling it. So James says here, the one who is rich should take pride in his low position. Well, how can you both be rich and poor at the same time? In the other perspective, you say, how can you be both poor and rich at the same time? Well, here's the way I would phrase the perspective. Perspective two, whenever I feel like I am really something... I need to remind myself that I actually am nothing apart from Christ. Now, I thought it was interesting as I went through this this week, this passage, that in both of these perspectives, James mentions pride in a positive way. As though it's okay to be proud if you're proud in the right way and pride, proud about the right stuff. He says, those who are in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position, and those who are rich should take pride in his low position. So it's like, hey, there's a role here for that feeling of pride. And we could say that God built the ability to feel pride right into us. Taking pride in the right stuff in the right way and at the right time is actually a God-honoring thing to do. As I said, God designed a pride response in man from the very beginning. Pride can be a strategic response to the happenings of life. To say, isn't that awesome? Don't you feel good to be caught up in what you're caught up in? this work of God going on and what his spirit is doing within you. And so, James is saying uh, pride can fit in both these circumstances. But the second one we're talking about now, take pride in your, he who is rich in your high position when you experience it. You see, wealth is as much a threat to spiritual maturity as is poverty. Wealth, good circumstances, is just as much a threat to spiritual maturity as is poverty. Wealth, success, whispers to us, you are really something. You have really shown them all. You are deserving of all the honor you are receiving. But to help us with the perspective James says we should have, if we're in those life circumstances, allow me to suggest some biblical reminders that buttress this second perspective. For instance, John 15, 5 
Jesus just says to his disciples, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. Well, I could do a little bit, Lord, couldn't I? See, nothing of real spiritual value. Apart from you, you can do nothing that my Heavenly Father will commend and receive. Apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. Now, right before Jesus said that, here's what he said. He said, I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me, stays connected to me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. You see, the the life force comes from the vine. And the life force then goes out to the branch, and then the branch is able to do what a branch does. It can bud, it can flower. We have a peach tree in our house that's just starting to bud and flower, and I hope we don't have another frost. But it's beautifully pink right now. You know why? Because last year I didn't trim those branches off the thing and throw them on the ground. If I cut them off of the main vine and threw it on the ground, they would just be laying there now as dead, dry twigs. They've got to stay in the stalk, in the vine. Jesus speaking of grape vines. If you remain in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit, but... Now, here comes the other verse. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So remember, we'd say in and of yourself, you can do nothing that pleases God, nothing that demonstrates spiritual maturity apart from your connection to Christ and his spirit who provides all these things for you. And so we say rejoice in that truth. Because it demonstrates, now hear this, it demonstrates that whenever something of value, something of spiritual worth is brought out of you, it means that God himself is working in you and is with you. And so it's valuable to recognize. It's wonderful to recognize that God is bringing something good out of what we're doing. That people are being touched by our lives and encouraged. That we are being faithful to the task. And because what that means is we're not hindering the Spirit of God. God is with us. God is working in us. And things are happening through us. And therefore we take pride in the fact that It's only by God's grace it's happening. My low position, I need to remember this isn't me pulling it off. This is God's spirit at work in me if anything of consequence is actually happening. And so we think about that, even every believer. Apart from me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. But with me, you can bear much fruit. How about 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7? Here, Paul asks this question of the Corinthians. What do you have that you did not receive? You see, remembering that we all started out as spiritual paupers keeps us forever grateful for the grace and the goodness and ministry responsibility that we have. So I think Paul would say, Be amazed. 
Be amazed at the things the Spirit of God brings out of your mouth or puts in your heart and mind. None of it is of our own design, but its presence in us demonstrates his presence with us. And then 1 Corinthians 1.31, Paul says in here, we have permission to boast. So just think to yourself, this afternoon I'm going to be a braggart. I'm going to brag the rest of this day. I'm going to boast the rest of this day. I am going to just get all filled with pride the rest of this day in a godly way. And here's what Paul says. Because you have that capacity. Don't we all have that capacity? God built it into us. That's really the capacity man has to say, God is great and he's my heavenly father. That's a statement of pride and delight. Paul says here, let him who boasts, meaning we have the ability to do it, we have the inclination to do it, we just need the proper target for it and the proper substance for it. So Paul says, 1 Corinthians 1.31, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Jesus is someone to brag about. A little brother sometimes can brag about his big brother especially if he's kind of being harassed by some kid bigger than him. And he says, yeah, my big brother can take care of you. And maybe he can, maybe he can't, but it's helpful to have one of those. Jesus is the one we boast about. Our natural urge toward pride expresses itself fully by boasting, bragging even about the Lord Jesus Christ. Just think of all these things. He is the eternal Son of God. He made the greatest sacrifice ever made. He paid off the greatest debt ever owed. He rose victoriously from the grave itself. He has been given a name that is above every name. He is preparing a heavenly home for all who are his. He will return to earth one day in great power and glory. Every eye will see him. He will rule over the nations in his millennial kingdom. He will destroy the devil and abolish all evil. Could you brag on a guy like that? Isn't he awesome to say you know him? You're one of the ones he died for. You're one of the ones his blood was shed for to pay for your sins, to cover your sins. You are one of the ones that that has a home in heaven he's building that has your name on it. Doesn't that just make you feel awesome? You're related to him. And he is everything and more that I just read. You see, compared to his, our accomplishments are puny. He who boasts, boast in the Lord. We pray that our our small accomplishments would simply draw our minds toward his awesome one. And so James would say, whether in prosperity or poverty, in ease or in distress, handling self properly will keep us moving on to perfection. Our final thought puts it this way. Until we see ourselves accurately, 
until we see ourselves accurately, biblically, we will never live for Christ effectively. And so James would say to us, in this world, we need to learn how to handle self, our view of ourselves, and see ourselves biblically, accurately, so that we can then live for Christ in a most effective way. Heavenly Father, we thank you for words of direction from your word. Father, we thank you for the practical nature of James' writing. Father, it's a long, long time since he wrote those words. And yet human nature has not changed. The challenges of human society have not changed. The desire for those who know you to live a life that pleases you has not changed. But Father, also the temptation for us to take credit for the things that your spirit accomplishes within us, that has not changed either. And so, Father, we pray. I pray for myself and for all of us in this room today, all who are listening and watching, that, that Father, if we find ourselves today in humble circumstances, if we find ourselves weighed down by the pressures of life, maybe struggling with some circumstances in life, that, Father, you by your Spirit would remind us of the incredible high position we have in Jesus Christ. And everything in this world is temporary and everything in Jesus is eternal. Father, remind us of that. Don't let us get overwhelmed. Don't let us get dragged down. Don't let our souls get discouraged. Father, teach us to handle our own self when we're in difficult times. But then, Father, I pray you'd also help us by your Spirit to learn how to handle ourselves when things are going quite well, when the challenge isn't near the same, when there's more ease and there's more delight and there's more, more success, we might even say, help us to remember then that it's only by the grace of God that any of these things have occurred. It's only by the Spirit of God working in us that anything of a spiritual, profitable nature can come out of us. Father, let us remember that though in Christ we can do all things, apart from Christ we can do nothing at all. Help us to keep our hands firm upon the self, our own image of who we are and what we are, that we might truly see ourselves every day as your word declares us to be. For we ask this now in Jesus' name and for the sake of his church. We hope this message has inspired you to live the sun life together with us. If you are near Apple Valley, California this weekend, we invite you to join us in person Sunday morning or through our live broadcast. All the details are on our website at sunlifecommunitychurch.com.